The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, and we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my host on the phone. And Kathy and I are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And today we're really excited about having award-winning author, speaker, and visionary Marcus Buckingham on the phone. Uh, Marcus has been hailed as a visionary by corporations such as Toyota, Coca-Cola, Master Foods, Wells Fargo, Microsoft, Disney. Marcus Buckingham today will share his insights from his newest uh, book, which is called Find, I'm going to turn my page here, Find Your Strongest Life. What is the happiest and most successful women do differently? What do they do differently? It is to be released uh, this month by Thomas Nelson. And Marcus, we know, is a best-selling author with more than 3.6 million copies of his landmark bestsellers in print, and he's draws on more than 150,000 interviews collected by Gallup in his past uh, experience and over 25 years and has developed the thesis for his strengths message that is changing the way the world approaches life and work. And Kathy, welcome to the call. Thank you, Relly. Yes, it is an honor today to be hosting our guest, Marcus Buckingham, and we'll have him on in just a minute. But we want to make sure that all of our leaders know that, in fact, they are the very heartbeat of their organizations. And most leaders will truly underestimate just how much influence they can have over others, and thus they and their teams, well, they can underperform. But doing just a few things differently can drastically improve both your performance and that of your organization. In every one of our programs, you'll learn something about how to develop more leaders not only around you, but in your organization. What happy companies know about performance and the science of happiness. And, of course, Relly's sweet spot, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies. We're going to talk about brain and neuroscience contributions as much as possible to help you understand how whole brain thinking creates top performance. And always we'll discuss generation and gender differences, which we will do today with our friend Marcus Buckingham, as well as talk about work-life balance practices, strategies for managing yourself and your boss, self-management tools to be your best, and many, many tools and tips. So before we bring Marcus on, we always like to give a little bit of uh, the latest data on leadership development. And let me just say a few words about that, and then we'll, we'll bring Marcus on. We know that leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. We like to say that the leader 
is the emotional thermostat for the team. And the reason is emotions are contagious. Mark is going to give us some insight about the leaders he's worked with. And the key to being a star performer is typically someone who's uh, performing in the top 10%, how we define it, but it's usually these competencies in and around emotional intelligence. The more a leader moves up in an organization, the more they need these emotional intelligence competencies when compared to how smart they are, their IQ, or technical expertise. And one of the things that we want to focus on is how do we get more leaders into the top 10%? And we know uh, why that. Leaders in the top 10% produce twice as much revenue to the organization as leaders in the 11th through the 89th percentile. And Marcus is going to give us some uh, tips and strategies about how to focus on strengths and get more people into the top 10%. We also know that when you add coaching uh, to training, training we know is important in organizations, and it usually can get about a 22% increase in productivity. But if you add ongoing coaching follow-up, you can expect around an 88% increase in uh, productivity. And you can increase profit by creating these coaching networks inside your company, usually in just a day. And studies show that happiness, one of Kathy's key topics, is hide the profit by more than 93%. And one of the keys is to try to do a few things differently. We like to call these micro-initiatives that can create macro-impact. If you're interested in more information about um, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, she can be reached at www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in more information about me, Dr. Riley Nadler, my website is www.truenorthleadership for emotional intelligence, uh, free EI assessments, books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. So, Kathy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Marcus here? Oh, it would be an honor. You know, it is, um, it's really a pleasure to have Marcus Buckingham with us today. He is uh, a fabulous speaker. He is a New York Times bestselling author. And um, I am overjoyed that he has agreed to be our guest today. And he will also be with us at the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women coming up in Philadelphia on uh, September 17th, and he will be continuing throughout the year, as will I, with the uh, conferences for women around the nation, so please check your schedule. And, in fact, you can tweet at uh, Marcus's site, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that to find out where he's going to be. But Marcus Buckingham addresses more than 250,000 people in live audiences around the globe each year. He recently led a workshop sponsored by Oprah Winfrey for 30 talented but unfulfilled and unhappy women. Acting on his advice, they were able to make immediate, significant, and positive changes in their lives. More than 1.7 million people downloaded the three-hour workshop video, and more than 100,000 unique contributors came online to post messages when his workshop and its results were featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show. The extremely successful workshop became the basis for Buckingham's book, Find Your Strongest Life, What the Happiest and Most Successful Women Do Differently, to be released this month by Thomas Nelson. Marcus has been writing books and producing outstanding programs based on his strengths revolution to maximize the performance of everyone he touches, including such titles as First Break All the Rules, Now Discover Your Strengths, the one thing you need to know, go put your strengths to work, and the truth about you, your secret to success. 
There are more than 3.7 million copies of his books in print, and prior to founding the Marcus Buckingham Company, a company that creates strengths-based management training solutions for organizations worldwide, he utilized his nearly two decades of experience as a senior researcher at Gallup Organization to break through the preconceptions about achievements and get to the core of what really drives success. Buckingham and Gallup developed the Strengths Finder. It's a personality test which identifies signature themes that help employees quantify their personal strengths in the workplace and at home. And since finding the Strengths Finder and its debut in 2001, more than 5 million people have assessed this important tool to discover their very own strengths. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, it's a delight. We are thrilled to have you here. And uh, one of the things that we always do with all of our guests is ask one key introductory question, and that is, who have been the most influential people and thinkers in your life and in your career, and how have they shaped your thinking about leadership and coaching? Uh, I suppose the most influential thinker in terms of um, my intellectual development was... Um, was Don Clifton, who was the president of, actually was called Selection Research, Inc. when I joined it, before we'd acquired Gallup back in, back in 1984. Um, Don was a... Um, mathematics and psychology professor at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, and um, was the basically the founder of a position on psychology, which has since become known as positive psychology, but at the time was very rare, based on the idea that in order to understand what is good, you can't study or infer it from studying what is bad. Um, I was at the time studying social psychology at Cambridge, and that was, when you did that, you studied deviant behavior, you just studied pathology, you studied neurosis and psychosis, and most of psychology, I think, and Martin Seligman, the past president of the American Psychological Association, said this, that most of psychology was half-baked, they'd, they'd baked the part about mental illness, but this, the part about what makes life worth living joy and meaning and hope and compassion and so forth was, was unbaked. And I, I met this first, way, way before I met Marty, um, uh, in 1984 with, with, uh, with Don. And so Don Clifton, with his, uh, with his focus on what does excellence look like, can we understand excellence by studying it? Does it have its own configuration? What is that configuration? And how can we learn to identify the best leaders, the best managers, the best teachers, the best a anything. Can we do that by studying them carefully? Um, that whole idea and the practice of it um, was, at the time, uh, quite in the minority, but for me, immediately engaging and so utterly different from what I was studying at university. Um, so I, I joined Gallup uh, in 1984, and, and really since from that moment until Don's death 20 odd years later, he has been probably my guiding influence in, in a lot of my thinking about how and where my focus should be. Um, other than that, I suppose there's just a, a couple of other people that I, I, I think to, uh, certainly think to my father, 
who is uh, most of the the books that I've read over the years have been suggested to me by my father. He was a in human resources for um, his entire career um, and was always struggling with the challenge of how do you find, keep, and attract the best people in any organization that you lead. Um, and so his, uh, his guidance has been every idea that I've ever had has sort of started probably with a conversation with him and is run by and through him. Um, and then beyond that, in terms of just people that I that I read and reread and and constantly are thinking about what they say and how it affects what I'm doing or working on, I suppose I would point to uh, three people that I constantly read and reread. One is Drucker, of course, Peter Drucker, and his idea of the organization as a social organism first and foremost, which is really what I think came out of his landmark study of General Motors in the 50s. Um, the other is uh, Stephen Pinker, who is the uh, linguist, um, or psycholinguist at Harvard, or actually MIT, I think, um, who's written so many wonderful books on books like The Blank Slate um, or The Language Instinct. So I'm fascinated by his erudition in terms of the working of the human mind. Um, and then lastly, um, a chap by the name of Robert Wright, who wrote a wonderful book called The Moral Animal, asking where does morality come from? Why do we have compassion? Why do we have empathy? Really, I know you focus a lot on emotional intelligence, but Robert asks, I think, really fundamental questions, interestingly, about why we have happiness at all. Why do we have um, a moral sense of um, conscience at all? Why do we feel guilt? What, what use is guilt? What use is altruism? Um, and I'm fascinated by those stay up till four in the morning kinds of conversations about where those kinds of morals come from. And in order to be a moral animal today, do we have to begin by understanding how fundamentally amoral we are as human beings? Those kinds of questions might bore some, but they they get me going. Well, Marcus, it's an exciting opportunity to talk to you today about all of these uh, behavioral components of, of strength. And we're going to take a break, so don't go away. This is Leadership Development News, so come right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Marcus uh, Buckingham, talking about uh, his new book, um, Find Your Strongest Life. And before the break, we were talking about a little bit of the history of the strength movement. I know Marcus, uh, early in the 80s, I, uh, as a psychology graduate student, doctoral uh, program, we had one class in the healthy personality. That was it. Everything mm-hmm. else was about, you know, maladaptions and everything else. Mm-hmm. So we, I don't think we had one. <laughs> Okay, at least was, yeah, some early adopters, but it was certainly in the minority. So let's talk a little bit more about the science of strengths. And then, um, so how is it that you see from your research and, and your work, how do you see uh, that strengths influence people? Well, I, the, the place that I'm coming from is, uh, and I think uh, this is something that I've always had probably, a sense of the uniqueness of each of us. And the answer to so many questions that I've ever asked, um, and I, I cast my mind back, I try to, when I'm, you know, 16, 17, 18 year, years old, trying to answer questions like, how do you motivate someone? Or how closely should someone be monitored? Or how do you focus someone? My answer to all of those questions always seemed to be, it depends. It just depends on the person. And so my beginning point with, um, my research into leadership or management or coaching was always that there is enduring individual uniqueness. Now, we can get into long debates about whether that uniqueness is caused by nurture or by nature or by the interaction between the two. But the bottom line is it does seem as though there is an enduring uniqueness to each one of us and that, that we do not massively change our personalities into someone else. Yes, the brain r- retains its plasticity throughout its life, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you rewire your brain to become somebody else. It probably means that you actually grow and change and develop the most in those areas where you already have some pre-existing strength. So my my starting point was always just how intriguing it was that two people, perhaps of the same race and the same nationality and the same age, could look at exactly the same situation and see something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that came an, my interest in individual strength. 
strengths. You could call them traits or talents. Um, my language was strengths. Uh, the idea that somebody could look at two people arguing and get invigorated by jumping in between the two of them and taking a tough issue and putting it out there on the table. And as the people around them got angrier, this person would get colder and calmer and clearer. And their brain somehow would find one perfect word after another as they cleared the conflict in the air and moved on. That, that, that could be a person like that. Whereas someone like me, you put me in exactly the same situation. And, and the more angry people got around me, somehow my brain would shut down and I wouldn't be able to find any words at all. That, so the idea that, that life uh, hands you a series of moments and that, that because of, I don't know, the accident of our birth or whatever, some people are invigorated by certain moments while other people are depleted by the very same kind of moments. That difference was immediately intriguing to me. And I think for, for individuals, what that means, of course, is that you are wired to draw strength from certain moments in life. From Some people are wired to draw strength from seeing tiny increments of growth in somebody else. Somebody else might be wired to draw strength from resolving conflict. Somebody else is wired to draw strength from really feeling the emotions of another person. Um, we can call those strengths, and I think for each one of us, our responsibility is to understand ourselves well enough to know, sorry to use a cliche, but to know how we're wired, and therefore to know how to draw strength from the moments of life. That's what I mean when I talk about a strengths-based approach to life or to performance or to leadership. It really, really, really means, do you know yourself well enough to know where you can draw strength from life? Marcus, so is that a good academic definition and or an explanation of strength or, or the science of talent as you've just described it? Well, yes. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's an academic um, definition, but it's certainly my starting point. Uh, when, when one listens to people describe their strengths or moments when they are in, as Chekshin Mahai would say, when they are in flow, um, you hear emotionality. I mean, really, you'll, you'll see this. I'm sure. I'm sure you've seen this a, a thousand times. You, you'll hear positive emotion, positive emotional valence attached to certain situations. And so strength for me isn't, a strength isn't something you're good at, and a weakness isn't something you're bad at. Those are two poor definitions, which we conflate all the time and confuse all the time. You see them in performance appraisals where somebody's strengths are things they're good at and their weaknesses are things they're bad at. It's certainly reinforced at school where your strengths are the things you get A's in and your weaknesses are the things you get F's in. Um, but I believe that's a very poor definition of a strength. A, a strength is an activity that strengthens you and a weakness is an activity that weakens you. Um, and it's your responsibility to know what those are so that you can then channel them into performance. Performance is what you're good at or performance is what you're bad at. But you, if you think about yourself in your life, you, you use your strengths to figure out how to drive performance and you use your understanding of what weakens you to manage around it or mitigate it in some way so that it doesn't hinder your performance. But your Strengths aren't your performance, and your weaknesses aren't your performance. Those are two different things. 
I know uh, Marcus in in the uh, the truth about you and in some of your other writings. Uh, what what helped me make the distinction is really around the energy you know that you get. You know, so maybe you can sp- speak a little bit about that. Just about a strength. Sounds like you're going to be energized after it and kind of have a glow and. Yeah, I mean, I think there are signs of a strength, and I talk about this a bit in the truth about you. But if you want to know what your strengths are, you you look at how you feel before, during, and after an activity. Mm-hmm. And if you before an activity, if you find yourself looking instinctively, raising your hand, instinctively looking forward to it, it's a pretty good clue that it's a strength. So the positive anticipation mm-hmm. is a great clue that that activity might be a strength. And there may be some kind of twinge of fear or nervousness but you find yourself keep raising your hand, that's a good clue to a strength. While you're doing it, if you find that time flies by quickly and you find yourself intrigued or engaged or your synapses are firing, that's another great clue to a strength. Mm-hmm. After you've done it, if you find your needs are fulfilled, if you find that you've got that sense of authenticity, that I was kind of put here on the earth to do that thing, mm-hmm then that's another great clue to a strength. So how you feel before, during, and after an activity is a great clue to where some of your natural strengths lie. And, of course, those are the things which lead you. Those are your your appetites almost. And your appetites, I think we should should help people um, take full responsibility for their appetites um, because those appetites drive their... Practice. We talk a lot about how practice makes perfect, and I know that in in Malcolm's late, late, uh, latest book, Outliers, talks a lot about the ten thousand hours of practice leads to great performance. And while, of course, that's true, um, the more important question is what drives practice. Some things you have to be dragged to, kicking and screaming like a kid to a dentist to practice, um, but other things you seem to be drawn to and return to repeatedly. And so if you, if you want to get great performance, you have to practice. But if you want to get practice, you want to get people to repeat and refine and improve their skills or something, you've got to have an appetite for that particular activity. You've got to have a strength in that particular activity. No strength, no practice. No, no practice, no performance. Marcus, now you've, um, you've done a beautiful job of articulating in very plain and practical language what a strength is and how to find it. How did you take this magical formula for helping people be their best into the business world? You know, this, this hard-nosed, numbers-crunching environment where we are always required to be our best. How, how did you do that? Well, I'm not saying that we've completely converted um, corporate America. It seems like we've converted corporate China, interestingly enough. When we first did our studies asking the question, which do you think will help you be most successful in life, uh, building on your strengths or fixing your weaknesses, uh, China was the least strength-focused nation of of all the countries that we'd studied, with 24% of people saying, building on your strengths. And America was the most strength-focused with 41% of people betting their career and their performance on strength. Um, Fast forward 10 years, and America is now at 45% saying strengths, and China is now at 72% saying strengths. So China has become much more uh, strength-based as a nation than America is. Um, And so first thing, I think first one would say there's still a long way to go. 
But whenever one goes into a corporate environment, and there are certainly companies that have fully embraced this idea, I always start with performance and just say, when you, when you look at an individual and you say to yourself, how can I help take that individual's natural gifts and uh, skills and turn it into performance, the question I have to ask myself is, what is the most efficient way to do that? I only have a limited amount of time or, or money to invest in this person, what is the most efficient way for me to take who they are and turn it into the performance that I and my team and my customers require? And in the end, companies respond to the language of efficiency. Mm -hmm. They don't want to waste time and energy and money. And so I tend to couch the strength message in terms of efficiency. Uh, I mean, if, if you really wanted to take someone who had absolutely no empathy at all and you worked with them and worked with them and worked with them, you could get them to get a little better than they were before at empathy. You could. It would just take you an awful lot of time and you would see incremental progress. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it sometimes. It just means it's not a terribly efficient use of anyone's time. Probably the best way to use someone's time is to figure out where they have natural appetites and strengths, and then figure out how to leverage those effectively to drive performance. Why? Not because it will make the person feel better necessarily, but because it's the most efficient way to use that unique combination of strengths and weaknesses that comprises that person. So I always use the language of efficiency. That's, be that's beautiful. Uh, Mark is just hearing that because that, I know uh, that's exactly what organizations uh, want to hear about. And I don't know if you said this, and that we're going to go to a break in a moment, but I don't know if you said this or someone else, but the opposite of a, something that you're bad in is not good. It just means you go from bad to not bad. So you just kind of move the needle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly talked a lot about that over the years, that you take somebody like um, Mayor Bloomberg in New York. I mean, he's been a very good mayor, wants to run for a third term, probably will happen. Um, not a very good public speaker. Never will be. Ever. Mm -hmm. You can send him to every single public speaking class you like, and you will get him to go from um, boring to slightly less boring than before. So when you look at a guy like Mayor Bloomberg, and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, he's got to be speaking all the time. This is a disaster. We will call out an area of opportunity for him and try to fix him next year. Well, in fact, I mean, you could do that, but actually what you really should do is just figure out a way to manage around his lack of public speaking skills so that he can focus on what he does really well. And there's a lot of things he does yeah. incredibly well. Well, Mark, you, we're... Go we're ahead, gonna, sorry. No, no, don't, don't apologize. We're obviously um, well engaged, but I know that uh, we do need to take a quick break. And I just want to remind our audience to come right back. This is Leadership Development News, so don't go away. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and 
influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with uh, Marcus Buckingham, um, we're going to get into it in a moment, Find Your Strongest Life, his newest book. But Marcus, I want to see if there's anything else you want to say, because it's so important about this distinction of, of things that you're uh, not good in or bad in, and that you were saying about Bayer Bloomberg, and anything else you want to say about that before we then will uh, quiz you more about your new book. Yeah, well, I just 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 to complete that to complete that thought. There's been a fair amount of um, conversation, I suppose, lately. Indeed, some articles written about um, can you can you overdo your strengths, and that in fact, as a leader, it's dangerous if you are encouraged to really identify and leverage your strengths because you can you can overdo them. So you might take a, a chap like uh, the previous mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, and go, well, he could be too combative. And so actually your coaching for Mayor, Bloom, for mayor Giuliani would be, you've got to be less of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, and we were talking about Mayor Bloomberg and saying, you know, if you, you take a chap like him and say, you've got to work at your public speaking. We, we could work with him till the day is long, and he will never be somebody who looks authentic and powerful and in the moment when he's talking to a group of people. That's not where he's at his best. That doesn't mean he hasn't got to do it sometimes. Probably, I don't know, 10, 15% of his time is doing that. But prob- probably a better use of your time with him is to figure out where are your unique strengths and how can you use them as a mayor. The same would be true of, of Giuliani, where when you've got a strength like his combativeness, uh, I think uh, um, rather than saying to someone like him that you're using too much of that, be less of that, uh, a, a wiser approach would be to say, you're never not going to be combative. Mm-hmm. How can we help you channel that productively? Mm-hmm. You can never have too much of a strength, but you can mischannel it. Um, just one example of that with, with Giuliani. Giuliani, funnily enough, a great, a great prosecutor in the courtroom, really struggled himself as a public speaker when he became mayor. Um, and he actually rented out the 92nd Street Y and, uh, in order to practice, and he read every one of Churchill's speeches. But he only really excelled. He only really got better, uh, and he actually got a lot better as a public speaker when his speaking coach said to him, is there any part of public speaking that you actually look forward to? And Giuliani said, yes, I look forward to fighting with people. <laughs> And the coach then said, all right, well, let's just turn. And this is genius coaching, I think. The coach went, all right, then let's, let's turn every speech into a fight. Turn every speech into a, into a choreographed argument. 
So do two minutes from behind the podium with prepared remarks and then come out from behind the podium, take questions from the audience and argue with them. Now, you'll never, you'll never be a Churchill. You'll never be a Barack Obama. Instead, though, when you're arguing with people, you'll come across as exactly what we want you to be as a leader, authentic, in the moment, in the zone, in flow. And, and that's what he did. And for those of us who followed him quite closely, we can see how his speaking has become more fluid simply because you've taken a, a strength that's a natural part of who he is and figured out a way to channel it productively. Now, he's never becoming, you know, the best speaker we've ever seen. He will never be that. But he has actually used a strength in a rather interesting way to mitigate a weakness. Now, Marcus, this is a fascinating example of what you did, um, correct me if I'm wrong, on the Oprah Winfrey Show. You took some women who were less than satisfied with life and taught them how to be authentically satisfied. How, how did that come about? Where did you start? Well, fun enough, got started with, because, I mean, I, I was not a big Oprah viewer, and have, most of my life has been spent in the, in the corporate world. We got a call from Harpo, which is the parent company of the Oprah Winfrey Show, um, saying, how do we become a strengths-based organization at Harpo? Which led to one of the executive producers going, first break all the rules is my favorite management book. I've got it marked up. Um, we... Um, we need to chat. And in chatting, she said, you know, we just realized that, that most of our viewers TiVo the show and then watch it later, which means that most of our viewers must actually be working. And we do shows on all manner of subjects, but we don't actually do shows on one of the biggest questions confronting our audience, namely, how do you integrate a productive, effective career into all of the other aspects of your life? We don't do anything on that. So that's where it began. They said, why, why, don't, why don't we do a show where we put out a call for talented but unfulfilled working women and see whether or not we can help them take stock of who they are and put their strengths to work more effectively. Uh, and then we will do that workshop and we'll follow them for five months coaching each and every one of them as we go. And then we'll come back after five months and, and have a look and see what kind of changes they made. And it was, frankly, it was a fascinating experience for me to, uh, to just focus on these 30 and have myself and some of my coaches just work with them individually over five months and see how you help people to take small, incremental, micro steps, as you would say. And yet achieve macro change. You, as you've, I'm sure both of you have seen, you, you, you help someone tweak their role or their life by 5%, and you end up getting a 40 or 50% increase in productivity or fulfillment. And so that's, that's how we came together um, in terms of the show. And it was a, it was a, it was a fascinating six months. Well, so that's uh, interesting here. Maybe is there like a, uh, a case example you know, that stands out, that will help for people who haven't seen it? Well, yeah, just to, I mean, just to frame it, what's, what's always been interesting for me as a, as a data hound, I suppose, is the, if you look at the last 40 years, and this is a longer answer to your question, really, than you might want, but if you look at the last 40 years, um, and you think about what Gloria Steinem's wish list would have been in 1972 for women, 
and then you fast forward for 40 years, I'm not saying everything on her list has been checked off, but in terms of uh, educational opportunities, you know, 60% of master's degrees and BAs are now given to women, not men. Um, you've got uh, 37% of women are in management or supervisory positions as opposed to 31% of men. When you actually compare like-for-like like work with people of the same experience, men and women earn exactly the same, not 77 cents on the dollar, um, but earn exactly the same. Um, four out of the eight Ivy League schools are run by women. Um, women are run in countries like Germany and Bangladesh and Finland and Iceland and Ireland. I mean, I think if you look around, there's no question that there has been significant advancement in opportunity and power and influence for women uh, across most of the developed world. And yet, if you track women's life satisfaction over that same period, you see something paradoxical. You see that over that same time period, men have become happier. Their subjective well-being has increased um, over that same time period, whereas women's has decreased over the same time period. Uh, and you see that regardless of whether women are employed or unemployed, whether they have kids or don't have kids, regardless of their race or their age, it seems to be a consistent downward trend. The other trend you see in the data is that as women get older, they get sadder, whereas as men get older, they get happier. Mm. Women actually start off their lives happier than men with all aspects of their lives, finances, marriage, family, things they own. And then over the course of their lives, they become gradually less satisfied with each of those different aspects. Whereas men, although they start off less satisfied with each one of those I've just mentioned, over the course of their life, they gradually become more satisfied with every one of them, with the crossover age being 47. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that every woman feels gradually less satisfied during the course of her life, and every man becomes more satisfied. There's obviously every individual has their own unique experiences during the course of their life. But it does look as though the trends for women's life satisfaction are going in the exact opposite direction from what you would have expected. Marcus, this yeah. is such a fascinating conversation. I want to come back to this particular piece of information, which obviously you and I have discussed at great length before, but yep. I'd like our audience to understand more about this reversal on happiness when we come back. So stay tuned. This is Leadership Development News. Come right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking today with Marcus Buckingham. And his new book is Find Your Strongest Life, What the Happiest and Most Successful Women Do Differently. And, Marcus, just before the break, you were talking about some fascinating research about the uh, decline or inverse in satisfaction uh, between men and women as they get older. And I know my question, I'm sure most of the, the audience question is, well, you know, so what's the rationale for that? I mean, I don't know if we know it conclusively, but what's some of your thoughts or some of the research about why that inverse relationship and satisfaction and happiness between men and women? Well, uh, the um, you could call it a paradox because, in a sense, women got everything that they asked for over the last 40 years, but not what they wanted, which is increased life satisfaction. So you could call that a paradox, but I don't actually think it's a paradox. I think it's linked. I think one of the reasons why women's subjective well-being around life is going down compared to men's is that it's precisely because they got everything that they wanted. Over the last 40 years, they've had more responsibilities and roles placed upon them, and very few of their pre-existing traditional roles were relinquished. So what you've got for women is more and more choice. And when you're faced with more and more choice, two things uh, happen to you. Either you've got to make your choice. You've got to look at all the different roles you could play and make your choice. And as Barry Schwartz and others have written about pretty persuasively, choice is stressful. If you've got a million different pairs of genes that you could choose from, and you've got three pairs of genes, it's not hard. You go up pick gene number two. But if you've got 47 pairs of genes in front of you, it's stressful to go, well, which one should I pick? Because you ruminate too long about which one to pick. And then once you've picked one, then you start regretting the one you picked. And, and so you, you end up with a life where somehow, although some choice is better than no choice, a multitude of choices isn't better than some choice. And I think for women today, they have a multitude of different choices, more choices probably than men. And that, I think, Rally is one of the causes of increasing um, dissatisfaction is that choice is inherently stressful. The other choice you have, I suppose, when you're faced with all these different roles as a woman is that you don't make one at all. And so you just look at all of these different roles and responsibilities and you just go, oh my word, 
I have to measure up in every one of these domains now, whether it's as daughter or spouse or employee or mother or friend. Or whatever. I've just got all of these different domains in which I need to excel, mm. which is in and of itself inherently stressful as well. So I think basically uh, cause, the cause of this decline in subjective well-being is an excess of choice and the difficulty of being an expert choice maker. And, and frankly, the book was written and the course on the Oprah show was all about how do, you, how do you make choices that strengthen you as opposed to break you down? I'm, I'm absolutely drop dead without words at this very minute, <laughs> which is probably a first. That's right. I can, yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> that is such a true statement. You know, many of the women <clears throat> of my generation that have grown up have succeeded in so many ways. We're all happy to be whatever role is offered to us that meets our strengths, as you would say, Marcus. Yeah. It's the choices that stress the living daylights out of us, and I can see how that could drive down our overall life satisfaction indices, which is what you're sharing with us today. Yeah, and I think the solution is, I mean, I think the prescription, suffice, I mean, as far as there can be one prescription, of course, everybody's different, so there isn't one prescription, but I think overall that the prescription must be, um, and must be connected to how you pay attention to life, because going way back to the first thing we were talking about, I think the happiest and most successful women realize that, that life is designed to strengthen them if they just know how to connect to it, by which I mean, if you know yourself well enough to know which moments in life, whether as a mother or as a worker or as a friend or as a daughter, which moments strengthen me, invigorate me, then I can deliberately imbalance my life toward those moments and allow the inherent energy of those moments to strengthen me. And therefore, any choice I make, which allows me to experience more of those strong moments, is a good choice for me. The challenge for most women, I think, today is that their, their, their attention is so divided, they're multitasking, they're juggling a million different balls, all the, all the cliches, and at the same time striving for that, that impossible goal of balance, um, that, that they're not able to draw the strength from those strong moments that are out there in life. They're not able to draw strength from life. And, that, and that men are you know, yeah. three years behind on this, but I think we're going to get there very soon too. All of us have got to be better at looking at life and figuring out which are the moments that really invigorate us and then imbalance our life toward those moments. Uh, you know, it's it's fascinating to listen to you talk about this. And, Relly and our audience, uh, you may know that um, in, in addition to uh, Marcus's new book, which comes out this month, he has been a kind uh, and generous author to lend his name in support of our book, What Happy Working Mothers Know. So we have been chatting a little bit about the, the consistency of message and the importance of all of us finding where those strengths lie in order to find our true happiness. Does that uh, make sense to you as well, Marcus, that there is something about our happiness that's found in our strengths? Oh, completely. I mean, I think you're most happy when you are, when you are in the moment, when you're in flow, when you are anticipating, when you are feeling as though that there is an authentic connection between who you are and what you're doing. And, and in my mind, that comes together, you could say it comes together around self-efficacy, but to my mind it comes together around 
strengths and your individual sense of playing to the best of yourself. When you, when you sense that you are playing to the best of yourself in the course of your life, you're happier. Well, Marcus, in fact, I mean, one of the things that I, th- I think that you've just taken is that to help people cut through the clamor, and there's a lot of clamor out there of competing voices asking you to be so many different kinds of people. Um, I actually developed for this latest book something called The Strong Life Test, which measures you on nine life roles, uh, basically trying to help you figure out, well, where are the strongest moments in life for you so you can find them and pay attention to them, celebrate them, and be happier. Um, and I believe that you actually took it, Kathy, and you came out as a pioneer. Yes, I have uh, no idea whether that's good or bad. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> bad. Is, it's it's definitely bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's what it is. I mean, it, for someone like you, I mean, any time you, in any situation, what I was looking at with this, with this particular test, as compared to Strength Finder, which kind of broke you out into 34 different themes, I wanted this test to put you back together and help you know, confronted with any situation, what are the moments from which you are most likely to, to derive strength and satisfaction. And for a pioneer, um, novelty, um, things that have not yet been discussed, things that have not yet been discovered, new connections, ambiguity is a good thing for someone who is a pioneer. So as you, uh, in the book, I sort of play out these, and I know with you, Relly, you were a motivator, right. and, and if, if your lead role is a motivator, you are in any situation looking to increase the energy of that situation. You are always looking to raise the spirits of that situation. People are attracted to you because you are an energy bringer as opposed to a depleter. Mm. Um, so... Basically, I think in terms of being happy, uh, no question it would help all of us if we knew, confronted by the crazy business of our lives, it would help all of us if we knew what are the kinds of moments I should be looking for in any situation that will most invigorate me. And I guess I hope that this, that this test will help people yeah, do that. Yeah, and this test is available online, is it not? Because you are being so kind to make this available in advance of your book coming out. Yeah, yeah if you go to... Um, if you go to uh, com forward slash strong life test, strong life test, uh, you can take it. It's just about 10 minutes long. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a short, straightforward set of choices that I'm going to ask you to make to reveal. And it reveals your lead role and your supporting role. So of the nine... I'm trying to give you the top two cards that you would deal off the top of your deck. And, and so people can go to that site and they can take this for free. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, as opposed to Strength Finder where you need a code, I think today we've moved on. You know, we're, we're 10 years on from Strength Finder now. And, and I, I mean, I, I think you should, obviously, I, think, I love Strength Finder. I think you should continue to take it. But in terms of the web and where we are today, I, I, think, yeah, I think what we in order to get a message out there, I think make something free, get people using it, get it distributed and shareable, get it on the Facebooks and the Twitters, get it moving and flowing around the world. And in that kind of micro way, to use your example, I think you get macro change. And I think the fastest way to change the way we think about our happiness and our performance and our well-being would be to get a test like this out there as 
far and wide as possible. So my decision was, and it was an odd one, but my decision was just make the darn thing free. Get the language out there. Get people using it. And we'll start reversing this trend, both for women and because I think women are leading men, frankly, in terms of where we're going in our lives and the challenges that we're going to face. Let's get this out there now so that we don't have declining female or male happiness over the course of our lives. Marcus, you have been a phenomenal guest. Thank you for your wisdom, for find your strongest life, um, what the happiest and most successful women do differently, which is coming out in the next week or so. We look forward to seeing you across the nation, following you on your Twitter site to see where you'll be. And um, thank you so much for making this tool available to us. It's, it's an amazing opportunity for everyone to really learn more about themselves and Use your strengths to be happier. Not at all. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, Marcus. This has been great. And this is Leadership Development News uh, signing off for now. We've been talking with Marcus Buckingham. And find your strongest life. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.